one? Happy Daddy's Day. All right. Turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. There were uh, three boys. They were arguing on the, uh, the school grounds as to who who's, uh, had the highest paid father. And the first boy said, well, my dad is the highest paid because he actually scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a poem, and they give him 100 bucks. The other kid said, that's nothing. Because my dad scribbles a couple words on a uh, piece of paper, calls it a song, they give him a thousand bucks. Third kid said, man, that ain't nothing, guys. My dad scribbles a couple words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and they got to get six to eight guys to collect all the money. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. There won't be any collective money today. So, All right. So, again, uh, I thought I would try to find something for Dad's Day, and we're talking about finances, but maybe that was a strikeout. Um, yeah. So, what we're looking at, this is part two of biblical principles uh, regarding your finances. We're looking at the book of Proverbs, what Proverbs says about these things. Uh, but I want to start today just in 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> and like I said, then we'll be looking at some other verses today too, but in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Let's open a word of prayer. Lord, we want to increase in um, the knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, our desire is to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing you, uh, bearing fruit in every good work. And we would just ask that maybe perhaps this morning, uh, through your word, you might give us uh, some instruction on how we can better do that. So we ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, just really quickly, we talked about two principles. Uh, we said the first principle, I think it's the most important, when it comes to finances and, and how to handle the things that God has given you, is that we have to acknowledge and recognize that God is the source of everything. God is the source. Everything you have. You, didn't, you don't have anything that God did not give to you already. 
It's not just your finances, right? Everything you have, right? Your health, your family, your job. God provided that for you. And that's an important principle. We don't spend any more time on it because we've got a lot more things to get to today. But the second one is that giving is essential. Okay? Giving is essential. Okay? God's plan is for you to give. In fact, that's what God did. Remember, we looked at that, is that when the fullness of time came, God gave his son. Right? God so loved the world that he gave. Right? It's one of God's principles is to give. And we talked about that. When it comes to us and giving, God must come first. God has to come first in our lives. And we looked at some ways that God can come first in our lives. And we looked at how there is this thing where the Bible says that you who labor, you who work, the purpose for you working is that you can give to those in need. That's the reason why God gives us the things that we have so that we can meet the needs of other people. But one thing we didn't have time to get to um, last week, I just want to really quickly look at is Mark chapter 12. This idea of giving, and then we're going to move on to some of these other principles here. Mark chapter 12. (coughs) Beginning in verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury, and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. But then one poor widow came, and she threw in two mites. Um, Very small copper coins. Um, It says here that, which make uh, a quadrants. And so he called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So, when it comes to giving, I know the question is always, listen, John, what's the balance between giving, right, out of our poverty, right, giving uh, our whole livelihood, and at the same time, meeting the needs of my family? Right? Because if you do not provide for the needs of your own family, the Bible says you're worse than a non-believer. Right? Well, we're going to get into this later on today, but certainly prayer is a big part of that. But I think what we learn from the widow's mites here is this. And I'll just throw it out there. I know there's a lot more things that we could talk about here. But when it comes to giving, I think that giving must hurt. Right? We are very good at giving when it doesn't hurt us. Right? And it doesn't matter how much you give. For some of us here, God has given you an abundance and you give a lot. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't hurt you, you might be missing out on something that God wants you to experience. God wants you to give in a way that, as we talked about last week, do you trust him or not? Or are you just trusting in your abundance? You see, God wants you to give. Sometimes, Sometimes you know that if I give this, you feel really led. And that's a big part of it, too, is there's got to be time communing with God and listening to the Holy Spirit. But sometimes you feel really led to give to something. And you know, if I give to this, that's going to leave me short for what I have over here. Right? And I can only tell you from my own experience 
And it hasn't happened a lot, but every time that that's happened to me, God has always provided. Every single time. But I think that the story of the widow's might at least tells us that, listen, I think giving should hurt sometimes. You know? I think we have to think about that. Is that, is it sacrificial giving or is it just giving? But like I said, we don't want to spend too much more time on that because last week we looked at how giving is essential. So let's look at the third, third principle here. And it has to do with the portion that we just read there in 1 Timothy um, is be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says this, keep your lives from the uh, keep your lives free from the love of money. We just read that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 2. And be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Did you hear that? God says, listen, if you can learn to just be content with what I've given you, I won't forsake you. I'll take care of you. You'll be fine. Don't fall into this love for money. Listen, we've talked about this all the time. The, the verses here never say that um, the root of all evil is money. It says the love of money. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Money is dangerous. Okay? It's just like a loaded gun. A loaded gun doesn't do any harm to anybody. Okay? But it is dangerous, isn't it? Okay? And how you handle that can bring harm right, to others. It's the same thing with money. Okay? We have to understand that money is dangerous. Okay? But here the Bible talks about the love of money, right? Not being content with what you have, what God has given you. How can Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. How could Paul say that? Right? Because Paul has a spiritual mindset, right? He understands that, listen, Paul didn't have a whole lot, right? But he knew that by him, all the things that he was sharing and teaching, he was making people rich. Not monetarily. He was making them rich spiritually, right? He understood that even though he had nothing, right, he was possessing everything. It's so important for us to understand, guys, what we have in Christ, right? Paul there talks about the secret of contentment. Right? Whether it's in abundance, if you have a lot, or whether you have a little, are you content with Jesus Christ? Are you content with what He gives you? I mean, and we don't have time to talk about all the things that God has blessed us with in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We are blessed beyond measure. In fact, we talked about this last week, that God says, in my, in, in my understanding here, the only time, the only time in the Bible that God says, prove me in this. Test me. Give to me first. And then what does he say? He goes, I'm going to open up a window and I'll pour blessings upon you. You can't even receive it all. That's what God promises. But do we trust him? Are we content with what we have? You know, a worthwhile saying to remember on contentment is this. Use it up. Wear it out. Make it do. Do without. That's true of almost anything. Okay? You know, can you, uh, can you do without it? If you can do without it, then why get it? Right? Um, use it up. Right? Use it all up. Wear it out. Right? That car, get another 100,000 miles on that car. Okay? Right? But we want that new car, right? We want that, that new one there. Okay? 
Make it do. All right, so that's a worthwhile statement to remember as far as contentment. Use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. If you'll turn to Proverbs, please, chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. I think I alluded to this last week when I was all confused. This is the verse I was thinking about as far as um, I've actually made this my life prayer. Uh, to the Lord. These are the words of Agar, Agar. And uh, I said, I just think they're just wonderful words um, to kind of apply to your life. <clears throat> this idea of being content with what you have. In Proverbs chapter 30, beginning in verse 7, he requests two things of the Lord. He says here, two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. And look what he says here. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. And here's why. Look what he says. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Isn't that a great prayer? That's all we need, right? And that should be all we need. If you are content with Jesus Christ, this is a great prayer. Say, listen, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be rich. Just give me what I need. Give me my daily portion. Right? That's all that we need. God will always provide for our needs. Right? He'll always give us what we need. And so, that's an important principle. Not only that God is the source of everything. Not only that giving is essential. That God must come first. But you have to, before we even get into these other principles here, you have to be content with what you have right now. Are you content? Right? Are you content with what we have? Or has the love of money crept in to your life here? All right, principle number four. Allow room for things to happen. Allow room for things to happen. In other words... You need to live on a margin. And this is a great thing about some of these principles. They don't apply just to finances. They apply to life, right? You need to live on a physical margin, a spiritual margin, a financial margin. What do I mean by that? Let me illustrate it with uh, time, right? Everyone, anyone that's going anywhere is either one of three things, right? You're either early, on time, or late, right? If you plan, if you don't have any time of margin, if you plan on being there on time, guess what will happen most of the time? You'll be late. Okay? Because things happen, guys. Okay? All the time. Right? It takes me eight minutes to get here to Brantford Bible Chapel. I used to leave at five after nine. That would get me here at 9.13. Did I ever get here at 9.13? Never happened. So my family would tell you that every morning, now Sunday morning, we leave at 8.45. But John, it only takes eight minutes to get here. That's right. If I get here early, great. But guess what? I'm allowing time for something to happen. And a lot of us, brothers and sisters, we don't leave time of margin. You have to have room for something to happen. Okay? Now, we're talking about finances, right? You have to set something aside for a rainy day. You have to. If you don't, you're going to find yourself not having something there. So how do we do that? 
Right? Well, let's first, let's look at what Proverbs says, right? In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, he says this. He says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil. But you know what the fool does? He gulps theirs down. Right? There's no patience. There's no waiting, right, for that rainy day. They just devour it. Right? In Proverbs 13, verse 11, it says, dishonest money dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. The prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. Now why did I share that verse? Is that, listen guys, you have to understand. If you think that nothing bad's going to happen to you, you're being foolish. Okay? The car's going to break, okay? The furnace is going to go. Something's going to happen, right? And here, the prudent man, they see that danger, and they take refuge. What you mean by that is, listen, you've got to be putting little by little something away for when those things happen. If you're naive and you just think it's not going to happen, then you're not going to have anything there for when you need to pull from that. And it's really kind of funny that I'm sure the Lord has a sense of humor, uh, but the last two weeks, as I've been teaching on this, um, all of my money set aside for that rainy day I've had to use. <laughs> it's the strangest thing ever. I've never spent this much money in two weeks in my entire life. But I had that nice big van out there. And the one thing that's crazy about that van is there's big tires in that van. And I was coming back from uh, cutting the trees that Wednesday night. Jim's house is all Jim's fault. Okay. <laughs> And, and I'm coming back, and all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on. My van is shaking like crazy. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. Something's going on. So I had to bring it into the shop, come to find out one of the back tires is just completely shot. So I had to get four brand new tires. Whoo, man, right? As soon as I got those four brand new tires, the door of my Honda came off the track. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What is going on here? And I thank the Lord that my... Uh, you know, my, uh, my little worker, you know, uh, live-in worker here, he was able to help me fix the door. And it was great, so that was nice. I was going to say something derogatory, but I I, I, the Lord protected me there. But, yeah, right? Um, amongst other things, like there was just one thing after another that, that all of a sudden that, that little rainy day account is all gone now, Right? But you've got to plan for those things. You've got to plan. Listen, the furnace is going to go someday. The roof is going to need repairing someday. You can't just assume that those things aren't going to happen. And you have to make room in your life, and not just with your finances, with anything. Okay, those of you that are having a hard time being on time, live in a time margin. Give yourself larger margin of time because things happen in life. Okay? And so uh, one of the things that, that I do, and I'm sure other people do here, but in case you never thought of it, is Man, the big things every year is, is Christmas, right? Christmas time. And you've got to buy gifts for your kids, and you've got to buy gifts for family members and whatever else, your Sunday school teachers or, you know, things like that. Have a Christmas club. Okay? It's, it's not much. Okay? I think I, I put $40 a, a, a paycheck into my vacation club, I think. Okay? So guess what? Come uh, October, November, they send me a nice little check. So look, I have that money there for Christmas. A vacation club, same thing. You put a little money aside, each paycheck, so that when May comes and you want to go on that trip for the summer, the money's there. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to end up grabbing that credit card, which we're going to get to 
and our next uh, uh, principle here. Okay, so please allow room for things to happen in your life. Right? Uh, fifth principle: keep out of debt. Okay? Keep out of debt. All right? Listen, we have to keep out of unnecessary debt. Okay? We need to avoid what I like to call the debt trap. Romans 13, verse 8 says this. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. It says, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Now listen, I want to make sure we're clear here. Okay? So you've got to listen. All right? This is not prohibiting the Christian from contracting a legal debt. I would imagine that everyone in here has some sort of legal debt. Right? What do I mean by that? Okay? There are some kinds of debt that are inevitable. I have a mortgage. Okay? Does anybody have their house paid in full? Nice job, Frank. Yes. So there's some people that may have no debt whatsoever. Okay? My parents have had their, their house paid off. That's a, nice, that's a nice thing. But for most of us, we have a mortgage. Right? We have a mortgage. But really, in a sense, for all of you that have a telephone bill, or a electricity bill, or a gas bill, or a sewer bill, those are kind of a debt as well. Okay? You're expected to pay that company every month for that. right? But even so, many people that want to start a business, they have to get a business loan. Okay? The admonition here is not to get into overdue accounts. Right? That, that's the admonition here is that we are not to get into, you know that you cannot pay for that, so you say, you know what, I'm just going to credit it. Okay? I was reading something, that, uh, they said, make this Christmas one you'll never forget, charge it. Or make this Christmas one that you will soon never forget, charge it. Okay? So true, right? So we need to practice financial responsibility by living modestly and within our means. So it's going to be different for all of us. Okay? Do not contract debts for non-essentials. Okay? That doesn't make any sense. I, I literally, I was talking to someone one day. They got all brand new furniture. It was really nice. Nice living room set. I was like, oh man. And they're talking about how much it costs. I'm like, whew. And they're like, yeah. Like that's going to be paid off when we get our income tax. I'm like What? <laughs> Like, they, one, they couldn't wait for their income tax to come in. But two, how do you know you're going to get that much money for income tax? But they had to have that living room furniture right then and there. That's a non-essential. Okay? And now they've got this debt for something that was a non-essential. Right? Don't go into debt when there is no hope of repaying. Don't do it. Okay? That is wrong. When you know that there's no way that you can pay for that, don't sit there and say, well, I'm just going to use the credit card. That's wrong. There's no hope of repaying that. And you know what's amazing is that, um, for time's sake, we can't get into this, but there are literally tons of verses in Proverbs about cosigning. Don't cosign. Now, for some of you in here, you might think, what is that? That means, Gage, here, I'll just use an example. Gage really wants to buy a car. And the lender's like, there ain't no way I'm trusting his credit, right? So Gage comes to me and says, hey, listen, I can't get this car unless you sign with me. Don't do that, okay? 
There's a reason why the lender won't let Gage sign it, and he's coming to me, is because he knows he won't be able to pay it. Just an illustration. I don't know anything about Gage's financial security. Okay? Listen, brothers and sisters, do not co-sign. In fact, uh, Proverbs 27, 13, 6, 1 through 5, 11, 15, 17, 18, 22, 26, the wisest man in the Bible wanted to say it over and over and over again. Okay? Do not co-sign anything. Okay? For someone. In Proverbs chapter uh, 22, verse 7, it says this. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Listen, there's bondage with debt, guys. Okay? This whole buy now, pay later is a sinful mentality. Okay? And, and people have become slaves to this debt trap. You become slaves. You're in bondage to it. Remember this. Easy credit now makes people uneasy later. Okay? It, listen, it's never fine later on. Okay? It is always uneasy. Okay? Very difficult. Okay? Usually a person pays more for the use of of borrowed money, then he gets an interest for saving it. And we just talked about allowing something for a rainy day. What a contrast, right? Now, unfortunately, we don't live in the times with that compound interest anymore. Back when I was in high school, I wish I had studied this more, right? It was like 6% interest. It was just unbelievable. You could put that money in there and have that compound interest, and it was great. Today, I don't know what you get, like 1% or something like that, right? But still the point is, you put that money in there, and all it's going to do is uh, accumulate more money, even though it's not as much anymore. When you put that little bit aside, right, there is a little bit of interest there. It accumulates. But on the other side of that, if you take that same amount of money and you borrow it from someone and you only make the minimum payment on every month, you are now adding to your debt. Okay, it's amazing these commercials they have out now today, right? The funny commercials where someone says, oh, yeah, I just bought this laptop, you know, and, and I'm going to, for 2000 and over the next six years, I'll end up paying $12,000 for it. It's really kind of interesting that they're putting that out there now. Right? But that's the truth of it. Okay? People are paying just economical amount of money for things because they would not wait to pay for whatever it was. They wanted to buy it now and pay for it later. And they end up paying so much more because of, of the interest. In Psalm 37, verse 21, it says this, The wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is gracious and gives. Okay? This verse here that we re- uh, read in Romans uh, chapter 13, Henry Alford, an expositor, translates it this way. Pay all other debts, be indebted in the matter of love alone. Okay? This verse here where it says um, be indebted in the matter of love alone here. The word love there actually is agape and it actually manifests itself in giving. Not just giving, but giving sacrificially. I think that's interesting, right? Is that how many Christians today have debt so that they can't give sacrificially? And listen, don't raise your hands on it, but how many of you have said, oh man, I really want to give to that. I wanted that, but oh, you know what, honey, we can't afford it. You know, we have this debt over here. It's a trap. It's a bondage. The only one that we should be in debt to is one another and being able to sacrificially give to one another. It goes back to one of those principles we looked at last week. But too many of us are not content with what we have. We want to buy now and pay later, and now we are in bondage 
And we cannot sacrificially give because we have these debts. We need to keep out of debt. One of the ways you can do that is our next principle, principle number six, is keep records. Keep records, some of you know, as a budget. Keep a budget. Anybody here keep a budget? Nice, very good. Three people, wow. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23 says this. Buy the truth, do not sell it, wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. And in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4, it says this. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Brothers and sisters, you have to have a plan. Every one of us in here, our plan is different. But you and your spouse, or you by yourself, have to know what is your plan. What do you want to do with what God has given you? And then, you then have to then keep good records. Because you need to know whether or not you're going to be able to meet that plan. And of course, I think the most important thing is if you're going to keep records, if you're going to keep a budget, you have to be honest with yourself. Right? You can't, you've got to be honest with yourself. You can't cheat. Okay? There's no point in keeping records, keeping a budget, if you're not going to be honest with yourself. Okay? And so... I believe that having a plan, keeping good records, and being honest with yourself, a person will not go into financial trouble. They won't. You seldom see financially successful people who don't keep good records. You don't. Now, again, I don't know everyone's financial situation, but I saw three hands go up for keeping records. If those of you that didn't put your hands up, if you're having financial hardships, guess what? That's one of the reasons right now. It's because you're not keeping good records. You've got to think about, okay, what's my plan? Right? And then how are we going to get there? Um, let me try to illustrate this way. When I was younger, I had an allowance. Um, did anybody else have an allowance when they were growing up? Elaine, how much did you get? 25 cents. 25 cents. <laughs> 25 cents. I think, I, I think my allowance was two fifty a week. $2.50 a week. Um, every other week. <laughs> Sounds like that. Um, but here's what had to happen. So we, had, we received an allowance, and here's what we had to do with our allowance. Uh, we had to take 10% of that and give it to the Lord. Had to. There was no question about it. We talked about that last week. Okay? There, there's not a, a biblical mandate for that. It's just that some people feel 10% off the top is a good way of putting God first. But that's what we were uh, told to do as kids. And then we also had to take 10% of that and put it to savings. Now, the rest of it in between, we could do whatever we wanted. Guess what? That's keeping records. That's a budget. Now, for you today, it won't be that simple. (laughs) That budget. There's a whole lot more things that you've got to keep records of. But it's very simple. There are so many resources out there that you can find online, that if you want me to show you, I can show you that literally you just put it in the computer. You put in what comes in, and then you just start putting in all the things that come out. Okay? Whether it's the sewer, or whether it's the electricity bill, or whether it's what you're giving to the Lord. All these things, and then it'll tell you at the bottom if you're in the red or not. Okay? If you're in the red, you can't keep living that way. It doesn't work. Okay? If 
You're above that, then you're fine. You're living within your means. Okay, all these things, guys. And so keeping records is so, so important. Okay, making a budget won't be simple. It's not simple. It takes work. Okay, it takes work. When we were first married, my wife and I, we did the envelope system. Anybody ever do the envelope system? <laughs> right? Yeah. We would literally, I would take my check. I would, I would take out cash, whatever was a, a lot of our spending, and we would have envelopes in our house. One envelope said gas. One envelope said uh, eating out. One envelope said um, uh, tithing. One envelope, whatever it was. And we would literally stick the cash in those envelopes. And guess what? If that envelope was gone, that's it. We didn't get gas until I got paid again. Okay? Or sometimes, which was great, and this is a great thing about keeping records is, it came time to where the next day I was getting another paycheck, and guess what? There was still money in the gas envelope. Guess what that means? That's free money. That's free money. Or you could have carried it over to the next month for gas again. But, guys, that's how you have to live. And you've got to know what your plan is. And this is a big thing, too, is that what do you want to do? Right? Who do you want to support? You as a family, you should be supporting a ministry right now, people right now. If you're not, you've got to do that. God is not giving you your stuff so you can hoard it to yourself. We talked about that last week with the illustration of the manna. Right? What God has given you, hoarding does not work. You have to share it. But you have the freedom to share however way you want. If there's a ministry out there, maybe you just love folks on the family. You love family life. You love whatever it is. Or there's a particular person, like a Steve Price or a Dwight Knight. You've got a brother, Dwight Knight, who has ministered here several times. Many of us have been encouraged by him. He doesn't have money to pay for his bills right now. Because he's a guy who doesn't have insurance. Right? You have the means to help him. But if you don't know what your plan is, then you don't know how much you can give, do you? And so these are the things why it's so important. What is your plan? What do you want to do with your money that God has given you? Keep good records, but be honest with yourself. Okay? Don't be putting on there you know, $40 a month for gas when you know you're paying $100 a month for gas. Okay? You've got to be honest with yourself. So keeping good records is very important. Uh, seventh principle. Okay? Work hard. Okay? Work hard. Um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says this. All hard work brings a profit. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Sometimes, not all the time, but perhaps even many times, people in financial trouble aren't willing to really work hard. There's a lot of work that goes into being financially responsible with what God has given you. Um, I always loved uh, um, Donnie Asera. Donnie, my wife and I used to hang out with the Aceras when we were first married. And uh, there was a time there where, you know, financially we, we were a little short there. And so Donnie was great. He goes, go get another job. <laughs> I was like, what? I already have a job. He's like, go work harder. Okay? There's some truth to that. Listen, if you have to get another job and you have to work hard, do that. But here's that balance again. Okay? There are people who have made work their God. 
They have no time for the assembly. They have no time for their family because they're working all the time. They're a workaholic. And that's not honoring to the Lord either. But what I'm talking about is there's people who complain about the fact that they are not financially stable, and yet they're not willing to get off their butt and work. (laughs) Listen, sometimes to provide for those who God has put into our care, we have to do something that we don't like. Not every job is a dream job. Not everything we do is something that we enjoy going to do. But God has provided a way for us to um, provide, and that's by working. There's lots of different ways you can do that. But there's working hard. I mean, I I know that there's a lot of uh, mothers here who stay home that work hard to save money for their family. There's a lot of work that goes into that, cutting coupons and finding the right stores with the sales and all those different things, right? You read about the virtuous woman there in Proverbs. She is working hard, okay? So there's women who, who have a, a, a workplace that they go to, a lot of women who stay home and work hard. But if you want to be financially responsible, you have to work hard. You can't be lazy when it comes to this, okay? If you feel <laughs> like you just have a lot of time in your hands, right, and you feel like um, you need something to do, Get a job. Find something to do. And again, there's lots of different things. It doesn't mean that you have to work at McDonald's, but maybe there's something to do here at the chapel. Maybe there's, you know, do something to keep you busy. Again, I don't want to go into this because we're talking about finances, but we all know that work is what God created us to do. We, Adam and Eve were working before the fall. It's not a result of sin, <laughs> fallen nature, or anything. God has created us to work. It's, it's in us. And so it's not good for us to sit around. It's not good for us to be lazy, to be idle. And those are dangerous times. So find something to do. Keep busy. I shared this before, but I'll share it again, is that it says the devil, right, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It says resist him. How do we resist him? It says steadfast in the faith. That means you're busy. You're busy. You should never say this Christian life is boring. Never. Because you're going to fall in some dangerous times. Okay? Last principle. Very important one as well. Okay? Seek godly counsel. When it comes to your finances and what to do with your finances, you need to seek godly counsel. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Listen, very, very important. Anything that you're deciding to do with what God has given you, pray about it. Right? There's no godlier counsel than God himself. You've got to bring it before the Lord. You've got to pray about it. And that doesn't mean that you spend a little two-second prayer and say, okay, I prayed about it. No, that means you have to labor and you have to pray about it and wait patiently on the Lord as to, God, what do you want me to do with this? All right? Put in God first. But also, we need to seek counsel from godly people. From godly people. Notice how it doesn't say seek counsel from financially responsible people, although I think that's important. <laughs> right? It says seek it from godly counsel. Godly. Look who's in your life. Look who you can say, you know what? That's a godly woman. Okay? That's a godly man right there. And then you've got to be able to ask them. Now, there's some vulnerability there, isn't there? Right? Why don't people ask people for advice? Right? Why don't they go and say, hey, listen, we're trying to make a decision here. I was wondering if you could help me out with this. I think 
Probably one of the reasons is that they don't want to be told that what you're about to do is unsound. That's why we don't do it. We know deep down, you know what? I shouldn't do this. So there's no way I'm going to go ask someone. Because what if they tell me what I'm already thinking? Right? But guys, that's how it's supposed to work. Right? We've got to seek godly counsel when it comes to anything we're doing. Don't hurry into any deal. Don't hurry into any decision. You're thinking about buying a car. You're thinking about buying a house. You're thinking about taking up a new job. You're thinking about a school for your kids. Whatever it is, don't rush into that. Those are big decisions. Pray about those things. Sit down with your spouse. Sit down with yourself and say, okay, what's our plan? What's our budget look like? Right? And then ask someone that you think is a godly person. Say, listen, I want to know, what do you think about this? Do you think this is wise? And then be willing to humble yourself when they say, listen, that's a bad decision. Don't do that. Don't co-sign. You've got to be willing to listen to godly counsel. So, in summary, and I know there's a lot more things that we could talk about, but um, like I said, I, I think money is a dangerous thing. It could be a wonderful thing, right? right? It could be a wonderful thing, but it could be a dangerous thing too. And we have to be really careful that we are not given into the love of money, right? That we have to be content with what we have. So, uh, just these principles, just in reviewing, right? Remember, okay, put God first, right? He's the source of everything. Give to God, however way you want to do that, and make sure you give to others. Giving is essential, right? God has given you the means to serve Him and His body, okay? Stop hoarding, okay? Hoarding doesn't work when it comes to what God gives us, all right? Allow room for things to happen in your life because they will. Things will happen in your life, okay? Save money. Put money aside right now because you're going to need it for something, okay? Keep yourself from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Have a plan. Keep good records, right? And be honest with yourself. Work hard and make sure you seek godly counsel. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are a good, good father. And uh, we're so grateful that um, you are able to supply uh, all of our needs according to the riches and glory in your son, Christ Jesus. And so we're grateful for all that we have uh, because of you. And uh, certainly we would pray that uh, we would be conscious of the fact that uh, we have been giving so much so that we can serve you and serve others uh, in your body, your son's body. And so uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us wisdom, that even uh, uh, some of the things that perhaps I failed to address or or poorly did, that uh, you might be able to uh, give us a good conversation with each other, that we might be able to talk about these things, that that uh, we might be able to talk to you and, and that uh, study your word. And, um, Lord, ultimately, we just want to be those who um, live lives that are honoring and glorifying to you. And so we just ask for your help in this, and we're so grateful for uh, your Holy Spirit. And we, great, we pray that we be led by him, that we be controlled by him, and that we be empowered by him, especially when it comes to our resources. And so we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.